weekend is 26 on the 26th. I told you it was coming a couple weeks ago. That's correct. Hello, it's September 26th, the, tw- the 26th Sunday of Ordinary Time. And I believe in October we have, let me just double check real quick before I say it incorrectly. Yes, we have the 31st on the 31st in October. This is a stunning year. And you know, of course, October 31st is Halloween. Did you know also, but most years, the the last Sunday of October is often called uh, Reformation Sunday. As in the Protestant Reformation? Yes, but it's been ob- observed... In the pa- Catholic Church? <laughs> not oh. not liturgically. Oh, good. But a couple of years ago, you might recall, on the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, yeah. uh, Pope Francis went to, I want to say Sweden. I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. And he celebrated Mass there and uh, because of uh, talking about the Reformation, how the churches are divided, but that was a mutual mistake that we need to overcome. Mm-hmm. But So he chose to do it on Reformation Sunday. That, that's a great message that a, a lot of us need to, to embrace. By the way, Mass on Halloween, we've got some time, but costumes, maybe? You can dress up like a priest. Uh, I'm going to dress up like a priest. Uh, <laughs> All right. There you go. We'll let everybody else but, decide what they want to do. But let's not talk Halloween yet. You no. Know, okay. Does anybody know who we are? Oh, what, if, what if they just tuned in? They've never heard us before. They didn't, let's be honest. Uh, but <laughs> they're... I don't think anybody tuned in, but I'm Michael, and that's Father Herb. Yes. And this is the podcast uh, associated with St. John the 23rd Parish. And and I found out from somebody that wanted to hear us that he was having trouble uh, pulling up the most recent podcast. Yeah. But it all got resolved. Oh, you know, I'm sure his week just wasn't the same without it. Yeah. He said he had missed a couple of weeks. Oh. Uh, but it was why bother going he on? He wondered if we were failing to uh, to uh, continue to podcast. I'm sure he was just reciting lamentations everywhere. Shall I ever see happiness again? Isn't that a powerful line? <laughs> it's a sad line. I know. It was kind of like the psalm a couple of weeks ago. There was there was a verse in the psalm as we were rehearsing prior to mass, and I thought this is dreary. Who whoever the author of this one was not having a good day. Yeah. But then it turned around in the third verse. We 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 picked it back up again. Well, a lot of the psalms are filled with misery. Yeah. <laughs> but they, if you follow them through, they always end up uh, with a, a meth- message of hope. Sure. Like I have something to rely on. Well, the my very, my, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Psalm twenty two. Yes. Uh, Psalm one fifty. You know, is it nothing but celebration? Well, I shouldn't say that because I don't know the whole thing. But that's the one, you know, praise the Lord with harp and timbrel and dancing and cymbal and drum. And what's a timbrel? I have no idea. Do you know? No, but I mean, you should know. Should I? Don't you have a degree in music? I do. I I do have a. It is a tambourine or similar instrument. I should have known that. Okay. That's embarrassing. Okay. I want to have timbrel. The timbrel was the principal percussion instrument of the ancient Israelites. Okay, let's we have, just call it a tambourine nowadays. Let's have timbrel in one of our masses. <laughs> the timbrel mass. Oh, I can see it now. All right, so here we do, are. Do, do you? I'm sorry. Okay, I want to stay with this one more minute. All right, go ahead. Uh, you use an electric keyboard. Does, I, I can do. you set it to different sounds? Not percussive. I mean, I guess there are some percussive. Is there timbrel on it? <laughs> no, I can say with with complete confidence there's not. <laughs> oh, okay. There okay. are probably 30 different types of pianos. 
you can have lots of different types of pianos. They call, they, they call them voices or something? Yeah, so they will record different sizes, different sized pianos. So a nine foot grand, a six foot grand, so four what, and a half what, foot what grand. So what sound do you play? I use the, the, I forget what it's called. It's the nice, in my opinion, the nicest grand sounding that has the best sound sample on that piano. Okay. Because I, I don't think anybody would turn on and on say, I'm going to use the one that doesn't sound so great. <laughs> but it's uh, it's pretty cool. You can even download. I can download new samples into the keyboard. I haven't, but it's possible. Okay. Now, in case people are listening and don't have any idea what we're talking about or why we're talking about it, the grand piano you see uh, Michael playing is not a grand piano. No. Oh, we're yes, no. That so it's a shell of a piano. I'm a shell of the man I used to be. <laughs> the piano is a shell from an old piano that you took. Right? It was a Baldwin piano with a cracked soundboard, and we got it for free from a Mormon church, and we gutted the whole thing. So we emptied the whole thing out and refinished it. It was brown originally. It's black now, and then we placed the uh, keyboard into it. So it looks like a real piano, but it's actually a uh, keyboard. It's a keyboard. Yeah. And what did you do with the old soundboard that was inside so, the piano? So I, I have the, the inside of that piano is hanging on my wall at home in my family room. It's the cast iron frame of the piano. It's got the old Baldwin logo on it. And then um, it's very decorative. The whole. The and whole, then he's got the inside of a guitar on another wall <laughs> and inside of. of uh, it's a morgue for instruments. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I have directly beneath the frame, the, the cast iron frame, I have. Um, all the keys and the hammers. So I, I call it like a deconstructed piano that we hung on the wall. It's kind of cool. You'll come over and see it sometime. And You've probably you, only seen it once, really. I've seen it, but I'll tell you, it's got to be quite a wall because it's very heavy. We we literally built, so this was in our audition, we built the wall for the piano. I put an addition on my house just for the piano, basically. <laughs> it was. It took four men to, to hold it on the wall while it was getting bolted in place it's hundreds of pounds that was quite quite a day it was fun we had a lot of fun that, that sounds great all right back to jesus good who idea did, who did not he might have had a timbrel but he did not have a piano and the timbrel would have been much lighter on his walls and the piano was a, a relatively late invention correct i don't ask me one because i don't know i should probably take you it. took a course in I took three music history. I took three courses in music history. And you don't know when the piano, your instrument was invented. I don't, but it's only a Google away. I know, but we're not going to do that right now because we're going to go to Mark's gospel. That's great. Last week we were in chapter nine. Uh And guess what? We are in chapter nine again this week. It's a repeat. No, it's not a repeat. It's a continuation. Okay. So we ended uh, ended up with verse 37. So we pick up on 38. The early 18th century, by the way. Is when the piano was. I just had <laughs> not, to get, not Mark. I wanted Mark, to get Mark nine there. was way before that. <laughs> All right, go ahead. okay. Uh, hey, folks, that listening out there, now, now you know what I have to go through. This is. <laughs> I told you nobody knows the, the troubles I've seen. The podcast is really our only time together during the week now, so you guys get all of it in its glory. Maybe yeah. I'm not sure. Okay, I'm going to let you once again read the first part. It's very kind of you, and I will read the second part. Is everybody ready to listen? I can hear them saying yes. Okay. Okay. At that time, John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he does not follow us. Jesus replied, Do not prevent him. There is no one who performs a mighty deed in my name who can at the same time speak ill of me. 
For whoever is not against us is for us. Anyone who gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ, amen I say to you, will surely not lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were put around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than with two hands to go into Gehenna, into the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life crippled than with two feet to be thrown into Gehenna. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into Gehenna, where their worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that last line, you know, where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. That's a quote. That's a quote within the scriptures. Mm -hmm. But I read that, and then I say the Gospel of the Lord, and the word gospel actually means the good news. So where the worm dies not, the fire is not quenched. The good news. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Yeah, have a nice day. Right. Uh, Obviously, we're trying to be a little bit more profound. It sounds at the surface level that this is really not invitational. Like we don't want to be part of it, but, mm-hmm. but Jesus is, this is among the hard, hard and harsh teachings of Jesus, mm. but also very challenging. But let's, let's again, take this apart. There's, we, we read it in two parts because it is two different parts. Uh, they're connected obviously, but even, um, Michael read the verses 38 to 43 and then, I picked up on 45 and then 47 to 48. So um, let's talk about this. First of all, the whole idea of John, one of the apostles says, somebody else is not only speaking in your name, Jesus, but even driving out demons in your name. Mm. It's almost like he's not part of us. How, how does he have all of that, that authority? What, what right does he have to do that? Right. I, John was being defensive of Jesus. They weren't part of the secret club. Yeah. And Jesus said, don't worry about that. So somebody else had the same charism. Somebody else also was speaking in the name of Jesus. Maybe it was somebody who had been in one of the crowds and was totally moved by the whole thing and uh, saw the power of Jesus overcoming evil and called on the spirit of Jesus to do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously seemed to be successful. So Jesus is saying, oh, don't worry about that. Now we do worry about it. You know, we get very angry if somebody in a different group does something right. Yeah. Uh, churches compete with each other. Um, I've, uh, in the Protestant world, they sometimes talk about stealing sheep, taking somebody from somebody else's congregation and making them part of your own. Mm. And so there's always competition between churches. Well, that was an early theme of blessed john the 23rd let's if we're being very honest of you know of course we're honest were we the stealers or the steelies well we were definitely accused of yeah and i you know when there's a new parish in town that's filling in the gap of a a geographical region that was already established um of course people are gonna to maybe leave a church to come to a new one but when I mean, let's be honest, that was something that we heard a lot when the parish first opened. You know, people are leaving churches to come check out the new one. Some of them stayed, some of them didn't. 
but it it wasn't like this, you know, like last week we were talking about marketing. It wasn't this all out marketing campaign like, hey, come over to Perrysburg High School because we'll, we'll give we, you free, free, uh, you get free lunch free in lunch, the cafeteria. Yeah. 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 Um, but there was definitely some animosity at the beginning and it was um, looking back on it. It's it's hard to 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 remember those days uh, just because we we wanted to be a community a thriving church that would hopefully make a positive impact in people's lives and maybe feed them in a way that other churches were not at the time well it goes both ways i i heard people say who wants to go to a new church because you know we're well established we don't want to leave what's comfortable right then i've heard others say we want to try out the new church Mm -hmm. because We've been going to this one, and maybe something else is going to happen. Right. So sometimes it goes both ways, and of course, a lot of people did not. Were well, I shouldn't say they did not, but they knew there would be sacrifice. Sure. You you leave a place you already know and you're comfortable with, but also you know there if you're going to a new parish, there's going to be a lot more demands made of you, mm-hmm. even financial demands. Sure. Well, we have to build a building. Sure. You know. You're right. And. You know, I didn't hear anybody directly say this to me, but I heard it indirectly. Like, they would love to come to our parish after the capital campaigns are all done. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that, that's the time you could do it now, finally. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to, to imagine. You know, you were talking about churches competing with one another, uh, which I think in some ways could be a jarring statement. But I think, unfortunately, that's just part of the human condition. How do we overcome that? How do we... How do we take Jesus's words in this gospel reading this week and and realize that it's not necessarily competition per se, but it's we are in this together and that different churches feed people in different ways. And and that's OK. Jesus said, do not prevent him, namely the person. Namely, the person who was driving out the demon. Do not prevent him. There is no one who performs mighty deeds in my name who can at the same time speak ill of me. So maybe that's the line. If we are truly committed to the way of Jesus, we should be open to others who help as well. Mm-hmm. When when we run RCIA, I always say to people, our, our ultimate goal is not to make people Catholic. Our ultimate goal is to help people find the path of following the Lord. Yeah. And if by their done by the time they're done with the whole thing, they see that as a Catholic they can do it well, then that's good. Right. If they go through the whole program and take it to heart, they're taken seriously, and at the end still feel like no, I don't need to become Catholic, but I do want to follow Jesus more closely. Mm-hmm. We're also successful at that. Yeah. So it it's not about manufacturing Catholics. And <laughs> it's not a Catholic factory. Right. I think some people sort of think it is. You you, you step on uh, the the assembly line and it you know, we keep adding and, and nine months later you come out a Catholic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does, it's not the way that it that but, works. But let's go jump to the second part of the gospel because this is the controversial one. It starts off with whoever causes one of these little ones to to believe in me. Uh, who believe in me to sin, it would be better if a great millstone were put around his neck. Of course, that's picking up from last week where he talks about how you treat a child. Right. You know, we had uh, that image of him putting his arms around the child. Yeah. The, the, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. And how you treat the child is how you treat me. 
and you, how you treat me is how you treat the one who sent me. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so here it says, but if you mislead a child, that is very frightening because I, I see people mislead children. I'm not talking about child abuse, yeah. which is horrible. Uh, I see people mislead children all the time. Maybe if the parents are indifferent to faith or they don't take it to heart. And I know sometimes kids are desirous of going to church. I know kids who almost by, by instinct, they want to talk to Jesus. They yeah. have questions about how to, how to be closer to God. Sure. I mean, I'm talking sometimes preschoolers and the parents don't allow it. You know, if I talk to a, a parent who says, and this happened during COVID, of course, unfortunately, but uh, a, a family came in and the parent even said, this is my child's second communion today. And I realized the child had celebrated first Holy Communion almost a year ahead of that. Wow. It was, uh, but they had not been back into church. Yeah. I felt bad, not only because of the circumstances of COVID, but I felt bad also because this poor child probably, you know, how do they pick up the pieces and how do they kind of like get, get that fervor back again? Right. Yeah, it's hard, and and especially now, as you said, with with coronavirus, it it makes it definitely harder. Um, but I think too, you know, parents model what is important and what we make time for, whether it's formally going to church and being a part of religious education, which is important, or informally praying as a family, you know, and in, integrating faith into what you do as a household. Yeah, that you make it part of the core of who you are, the DNA of your family. Yeah. There's a phrase I really love. It says faith is caught as well as taught. Yeah. So you do teach children how to pray. You do teach, you do teach children who Jesus is, who God is creation. Mm -hmm. You do teach children right and wrong, mm -hmm. but ultimately they're caught. The faith is caught. Yeah. It's like kids have little antennae and they kind of pick up. In fact, they pick up things that you don't know they're picking up. Oh, yeah. They hear and see everything. Yeah. So do your kids have antennae? <laughs> Sometimes it feels that way. I think there is a, um, as a parent, too, there's like a, uh, a fear is a strong word. I don't want to say a fear, but a worry that in some ways, you know, that the faith that you, that you share with your children and that you um, give your children will someday still be rejected by them as they get older. You know, and we see that so many times, you know, parent, parents, I've, I've heard parents say, oh, I just wish my, my kids would get back to church or would, yeah. would. And, and parents worry if they're coming down too soft or too harsh. Right. You know, I've had, I've had the parents who say, uh, my, my child has to make a decision between going to practice for whatever team they're on or going to church. Yeah. And if they don't go to practice, they can't play because that's what coaches say. Right. And they might add the next line. I don't want my child to be anti-church because if I say you have to go to church, then that t took them away from their favorite sport. Mm -hmm. But I don't want them to be lax in faith and say that church is secondary. Sure. So they're caught in that in that quandary. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, scheduling and all the demands that are put on families these days. Uh, it's a. I, I'm I'm always amazed how many parents do work around it. However, they find a way to do it, and sometimes. They, they pick an unusual time for mass, uh, but they're in and they say, we're running uh, late today because we already had soccer this morning before mass. 
But they came. They came. Yeah. So back to the reading. So you had mentioned that. It's controversial about the whole thing about cutting off your hand or plucking out your eye. Sure. Uh, Please don't. No. And I think that's the, the sad thing. The sad thing is Jesus is speaking in hyperbole. And through the centuries, some people have taken it literally. Hmm. So we have to be careful to take it seriously, but not literally. The um, You were mentioning the image of the, the millstone when we were talking about the children. And it doesn't say to just put a millstone around his neck. It says it would be better for him if a great millstone were put around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Yeah. That's kind of sealing the deal. It's sort of like with Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> <laughs> so practically, what do we take away because we're we're wrapping up our well i think one thing is we have to take our faith seriously and realize it's we're uh communal people right what we do does affect those around us we have to be very careful but the other thing is we also have to be conscious not to put ourselves in harm's way you know we all have temptations so why should we place ourselves where temptations come sure i i love to use the example of the person who says Oh yes, I'm. I'm always tempted to embezzle, so I better not sign up to be the the treasurer of this social group that I belong. It wouldn't be a great so, fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if that's what the temptation is, for sure. You know, putting ourselves and surrounding ourselves with people uh, that help us to make positive decisions in our life and grow in faith yeah. and ultimately grow closer to Jesus. But we have, it takes tremendous honesty to know our limitations. I think, too, a lot of people's um, bad habits come out of boredom sometimes. You know, that when we find ourselves running out of things to do, that's when we sometimes... The, the, yeah, the uh, the idle, idle moment is the uh, devil's playground. Is yeah. that the, the phrase? I think so. Yeah. You know what else is the phrase? That the piano came around in the early 18th century. That's <laughs> I just wanted that. And play some timbrels today folks okay hey god bless you have a great day bye bye